0: Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And we are here this Tuesday with an extremely action-packed arc. Like, holy moly. (laughs) So much happens.
1: This is the Newt Gunray capture arc.
0: I am going to be trying to guide us through the plot of these three episodes. And you're going to have to bear with me in an effort to be concise. Instead of going blow by blow for some of the fight scenes... I'm just going to say shenanigans ensued (laughs) and then we can go back and talk about it later because a lot happens. Yeah,
1: for sure. So what do we start with?
0: Quick, quick, quick lightning round. So we start with Bomba Jedi, which is
1: a Jar
0: Jar centric episode that I thought was wonderful. (laughs) Oh,
1: you're on team Jar Jar now. It
0: was so much fun. I loved it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we
0: it start with Padme already in her action Padme suit, ready mm. to rumble. Oh yeah. She's journeying to Rhodia mm-hmm. to meet Rodians, my fave.
1: And her like adopted uncle. And her
0: adopted uncle who's Anno. The
1: yeah.
0: Ono, yep. Yeah to um, basically plea for them to not be lured in by the separatist promise of whatever the separatists are promising, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming is different for every planet. Guns and butter. Yeah. yeah, Bread and circuses. Yeah. Palpatine holocrons in Mm -hmm. and says, as he sees Jar Jar, may I suggest that only those who are qualified participate in the peace talks? And Padme, like a total boss, is like, I'll take your advice, which is just a great diplomatic Mm non-answer. Like, as long as she considers that Jar Jar is qualified, she's taking the advice.
1: So, I mean, already we're in a situation where it's Padme, Jar Jar, and C-3PO versus the world. So. So,
0: so great. So we meet Uncle Ano. He's really upset. He's like, where was the Republic when our supply ships were destroyed by pirates? My people mm-hmm. are starving. Newt Gunray makes his appearance, and he has promised to support the Rodians um, because the relief aid vote got postponed in the Senate. So libertarianism
1: <laughs> overall. In exchange for...
0: The death of Padme.
1: Yes, because he's still sour about Padme existing.
0: Yes, So battle droids march up. They march Padme off to an actual literal tower. We'll talk about this later. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jar Jar communes with the swamp creatures native to (laughs) Rhodia. Misa make contact. Yeah. Oh, dear.
1: (laughs) And uh, Padme phones in and says, hey, like, get in touch with the Republic. Jar Jar haphazardly ends up crushing their ship. He
0: squishes the ship.
1: Yeah, with a big car compactor magnet.
0: Oh my god. He also saves it's, a
1: day from a bunch of droids and saves C-3PO. But. He
0: does. I will say Jar Jar's surprised Pikachu face when he accidentally <laughs> oh squishes gosh. the
1: ship is so great. <laughs> it's, it's so good.
0: It's so good. Newt Gunray shows up in his very big hat, um, mistakes Jar Jar for a Jedi.
1: Well, Because Jedi goes into the closet, that which is in the half of the ship, which is uncrashed and is like, why are there Jedi robes in here? And C-3PO's like, like,
0: I wouldn't. I have no idea. Anakin literally has a change of clothes for After Sexy Times Mm -hmm. in Padme Ship. Yeah. Which I always did wonder where they were getting it on when they weren't in Coruscant, and now we know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Jar
1: Jar is pretending to be a Jedi, although he's like kind of, I'm not a Jedi, I'm just a dude in a robe who is able to dodge blasters.
0: And shenanigans ensue. Yes. He escapes underwater, he meets his new best friend, a giant underwater space caterpillar monster. Yeah, that's accurate. Like a Loch Ness monster caterpillar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Giant underwater space caterpillar monster. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, I'm so glad I explained that so succinctly. Padme in the tower has 110% learned her lesson from Geonosis. She picks the lock on her handcuffs. She tricks the battle droids into letting her out. And then more shenanigans. Most importantly, Newt Gunray does show his true colors mm-hmm. Ano. He um, demands that Padme is executed by firing squad, basically, before the aid is released to the Rodians.
1: Yeah, and he's being very lackadaisical with showing up with that aid. And Ano's like, mm-hmm. well, this is BS.
0: Mm-hmm. Jar Jar gets swallowed by the swamp caterpillar dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then saves the actual day.
1: Yeah, as the firing squad is about to go off, the worm shows up, smashes everything. Jar Jar shows up. Everyone's like, oh, no, a Jedi, and runs away. Padme says, "Ah, "Ano, it's a good plan that you were working with the Republic the whole time. And Anno's like, ah, yes, that is exactly what I was doing. Ah, yes,
0: I love a good retcon.
1: Yeah, and uh, they hold Newt Gunray, and they capture him and throw him in the cell in the tower.
0: Yes, they do. So much to talk about there. And then because 3PO managed to get a message out to mm-hmm. the clone troopers...
1: Cavalry arrives.
0: They show up with Republic warships. And they're
1: like, where do you want us to go, General? And Jar Jar's like, uh, <laughs> I'm not the Jedi, I'm sorry.
0: And then Palpatine realizes that he lost. So he sends a convoy of supply ships to Rodia to save face, Like basically. one second later, yeah. 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 And Bombad Jedi. It was so great. We also now... Must talk about the next episode, Cloak of Darkness.
1: Cloak of Darkness. Cloak of Darkness.
0: It's a real tone shift. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed when we are packing three episodes into one arc is how radically different the tone is across each episode of the arc. Yeah. Super duper different. In this one, the Jedi Council has tasked Jedi Master Luminara Unduli, hey Luminara, Mm -hmm. and Ahsoka question mark, to take Newt Gunray to Coruscant.
1: Yeah, so they're in a little ship, and then they dock with a larger ship, and they're on their... So they're in a little uh, Corvette, and then mm. they join up with a Star Destroyer, and they're on their way.
0: I don't know where Anakin is. I don't care where Anakin is. Ahsoka is finally getting some quality Jedi Master instruction time, <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah. They swoop up into the tranquility, mm-hmm. which is the ship that most of this episode takes place on.
1: Seems like it's actually Luminara's ship. But oh, yeah.
0: okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, her uh, her clones are there. Captain Green and Green Company, which I
0: enjoy. ooh, interesting. Yeah. They meet Captain Argaius, who's wearing like extremely fancy Roman gladiator style yeah, armor. he's
1: a Senate guard. he yeah. does. He's got a very cool Greco-Roman mask, and he has like legit Lego figure hair and a Chad voice
0: and a cl- a cleft chin. Oh yeah, like a strong action figure cleft chin oh, and yeah. a pouty mouth.
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, he he's is, got
0: Chad vibes.
1: He's a Chad. That's never probably trust the Chad. Chad Chat at the Argyas.
0: I'm sorry for all the chads out there. My personal trainer's a chad, and, and God love him, but my apologies, <laughs> sirs.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: Argus is supposed to be transporting Newt to Coruscant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Palpatine holocrons into Dooku. Dooku already has a plan. He is sending Asajj to the ship to infiltrate and, I quote, either free Gunray or silence him forever.
1: bum bum bum. Spooky.
0: And we get an extremely interesting look into interrogation Jedi style.
1: Oh, man. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Uh, We will talk. uh, We will have words. Yeah, okay. Ahsoka flips out.
1: And, yeah, Newt is about to talk Mm -hmm. when all of a sudden, invasion.
0: Invasion. Asajj makes her way to the engine room.
1: Meanwhile, as under the cover of a big droid landing party. Yeah, they quality. can
0: open her in. It's really... Mm-hmm. Sh-
1: yeah, Droids everywhere.
0: Droids everywhere. Asajj is like cartwheeling around the engine room, just sticking explosives all over, evading the poor little... Inept droid that's it's, hanging out in it's there. It's one of those
1: little droids that, if you ever went on the old Disney ride, the old Star Tours ride, it's like the pilot for that. It's like a pair of binoculars on a long stock on like a little tiny wheelie thing. It's the goofiest droid. I love Shout
0: it. out to the sound engineers that did his little beeps and boops yeah. because he, I just felt so bad.
1: I know he's just a little stick.
0: He was just like, it's a little
1: stick with arms.
0: Oh, and a flashlight. So Ahsoka's been baiting Gunray the Mm -hmm. whole time that Luminara goes after Asajj.
1: Well, so Luminara comes back to the cells and then the, after defeating all the droids that show up and then the engine blows up and then Luminara is like, I'm going to go take care of this. And Ahsoka's like, I should come with you. Asajj is real scary. And Luminara's like, don't worry. I got this.
0: Don't worry, Padawan. I got this. Uh, she doesn't got this, tragically, Asajj from Luminara. Asajj, we finally get to see Asajj being a total bamf for this mm-hmm. episode. It was it was good. Ahsoka has been left to guard Gunray. Mm-hmm. She's been baiting him the whole time. Argaius pulls her aside, just in time for Asajj to swoop in. Ahsoka battles with Asajj mm-hmm. and then yells, I don't need saving just in time for her to need saving because asaj kicks her into gunnery's prison pulls a switcheroo and like locks her in Mm -hmm. we are all humiliated for ahsoka in this moment i would think
1: yeah so then uh ahsoka and luminara go to fight asaj for real this time
0: luminara is blinded by hot steam I have weird stuff about body horror in that sense. I mm-hmm. did not appreciate this at all. It was a tough fight. It, it was a tough fight. It's a very cool fight scene. It's all cast in Sith red. There's like molten hot metal everywhere. Yeah, they're
1: in like an exploding engine. Room.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Asajj drops a bunch of like red hot pipes on Luminara who's trapped. There's flames everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Asajj is about to end her. She says... Now you fall as all Jedi must.
1: And then Ahsoka shows up.
0: And then Ahsoka shows up and he eats her into a pipe.
1: Well, because Ahsoka has been like, oh, I feel like I should go rescue her. And Argaius is like, yeah, go rescue her. And Green's like, I think she'll be fine. You should follow orders. So Ahsoka runs off to go rescue Luminara.
0: Argaius shows his true colors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not going to do the, the blow blow, blow it's a tricky fight scene. It ends up Nuke Gunray like punches Gree in the face.
1: After Green defeats Argyas and then Newt Gunray pulls yes. Green up and they make their escape. Yes. And Asage Gleefully, makes her
0: might I add. Yes. And then Asage also
1: makes her escape. And they get on the ship and Asajj kills Argaius because he's being too much of a Chad.
0: She uh, gives him the old Grievous special. Yeah. Lightsaber. Turn on the lightsaber the behind
1: the back of your chair. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, it's, it's a move. It's
0: a calling card. And then we end the episode with Luminar saying, Master Fisto is near Gunray's fleet. And I just gave him orders and he's going to pick up where we tragically left off.
1: Because they escaped on a Republic Corvette. Yes. So, and so they, they can able track to track it. it. hmm so then we cut in, and Kit Fisto is following. He's going to this planet where the tracking signal is, and his old Padawan, Nadar, is there.
0: Jedi Master Kit Fisto with the sexiest voice I've ever heard in a cartoon. <laughs> My God.
1: He's got a very jovial Jamaican accent. He's, My the, God. he's the green guy with the big tentacle head.
0: Yeah. And then Nadar
1: is a Mon Calamari.
0: yeah. Which With is, a little chin tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might have to cut in, Sam. I got really tired. <laughs> Pretty much all I wrote down for this episode is that Kit Fist's voice is the most attractive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's all I got. They land on Vasek.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Vasek system. Some, some planet.
0: They figure out that this is Grievous' lair, but he's not home.
1: And then he's home. He arrives home and...
0: And it's a trap But for whom?
1: And that's the whole point of this episode. So Grievous shows up. uh, Kit Fisto and gang... Hold down, Grievous. Chop off his legs. Mm. But when you chop off his legs, he only has four limbs left, so he skitters away.
0: spiders along the wall. It's really gross. There's very
1: H.R. Geiger looks through this thing. It's very like aliens because Mm. there's weird protuberances and the angles are very strange. It's
0: steampunk alien core.
1: Yeah, very much. Grievous escapes, and then he releases his best bud, Gore. Okay, go can I him. just say,
0: Grievous has two best buds, and they both die in this episode. What?
1: He has the doctor who's basically Dr. Hawkeye Pierce so from MASH. So
0: mean to him. <laughs> he's so mean. He's a robot
1: doctor, and he's like, contrary to your belief, I do have other things I should be doing. His only
0: friends are a horrifying monster and a mm. doctor who's awful to him, and they both die.
1: So there's a lot of, like, stalking through hallways trying to mm. pull things apart. And it ends up with and Grievous reactivates all his magna guards. And he's been in communication with Dooku this whole time. He's like, why are my guards off? And Dooku's like, it was me. You're a lazy son of a nothing. And I want to uh, oh make God. you prove your worth.
0: God, it's mean girls all over again. And, and Grievous
1: is like, well, this is really lame. So I'm going to go kill those Jedi. Now, They manage to make their way into the control room. Mm -hmm. And Grievous is right behind them with the Magna Guards. And Nadar is like, I'm a huge, cool monster, recently knighted Jedi. I'll be able to take on Grievous. And And
0: Fisto's like, no, don't. Yeah. You dumbass. You idiot.
1: Right then, the doctor bot is like, ha ha ha, and closes the door, separating them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Nagar mm-hmm.
1: puts up a surprisingly good showing for himself.
0: He does. He is not all hat and no cattle, but he is not enough
1: cattle to yeah. save the day. He knocks out three Magna Guards, which is like an Anakin level. It's pretty good. Yeah. The fourth one overtakes him. And then Grievous decides to uh, have his way with him. So.
0: And yeah. then... R6, who's Kit Fisto's astromech droid, is just as great as expected. Mm-hmm. they do doing the most. He's whoops in. Kit Fisto destroys the control room mm-hmm. and, like, rolls a nat 20 on stealth and is disappearing and melting in and out of the mist
1: mm-hmm. of
0: the planet while fighting Grievous.
1: Yeah, that's a very exciting fight scene because it's in this deep fog. It's four against it's one.
0: Cool. And then Kit Fisto just gives, like, a cocky grin and backflips into his ship.
1: And flies away.
0: And flies away. And we end with a beautiful sunset scene on Coruscant, mm-hmm. back in the Jedi Temple. Well, back on the Jedi Council yeah. HQ. And they're debriefing, basically, about Nadar dying. And Kit Fisto says, his heart was in the right place, but he tried to answer Grievous's power with his own. Mm-hmm. And then Yoda gives the coolest response ever. To answer power with power the Jedi way this is not. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. Bam, bum, bum. Roll credits.
1: So that's the new Gunray captured arc.
0: Uh, <sighs> How did I do?
1: You're great. That's the plot. Thanks. You I'm sweating. Them. So what do you want to talk about?
0: What is? Well, what stuck out to you?
1: Well, I mean, let's let's start at the beginning and move through it. But that last scene is the one that really sells it for me. Also uh, Jar Jar's face. But
0: Also Jar Jar's face. Honorable mention. Mm-hmm. I want a poster of it in my office.
1: And it's such a funny dynamic at the beginning between C3PO and Jar Jar because, like, Jar Jar is earnest, and C-3PO is like, I know I'm annoying, but this guy is extra annoying.
0: What I love about the Jar Jar, Jar-3PO-Padme dynamic, which is the holy trinity, (laughs) I cannot get enough of it. I love it so much. Padme was like, yeah, Jar Jar, I'm going to go do the peace negotiations. You stay with 3PO, because he tends to get in trouble when he's left to his own devices, and 3PO is like, me? I'm just. Like, utter disbelief and shock. hmm Surprise Pikachu face again.
1: I, I like seeing action Jar Jar because he's like, I gotta go rescue Padme. And he, like, does. He just doesn't do it faster than Padme rescued herself. So,
0: the big thing that I want to talk about with Bombad Jedi, did you notice that this episode is a fairy tale inverted? Tell me more. Padme is... Locked up in a tower, mm-hmm. an actual tower, yeah, with a swamp dragon guarding it. Yeah, we have a Jedi knight, mm-hmm. not in Quote shining unquote. armor. Yeah, our our handsome knight, okay, <laughs> Jar Jar. All right. Bear with me.
1: Um, I'm still there.
0: Is climbing a tower to rescue a former queen. You could call her a princess. Mm-hmm. And then, in a delightful subversion of one of the oldest tropes mm-hmm. in literature, Padme rescues herself,
1: yeah, and then they all have to do a, a rescue escapade fiasco
0: shenanigans yeah there's
1: there's a lot of fun action in this one. a lot of jar jar just like dodging. Thermal detonators and rockets and lasers. A
0: surprising amount of Jar Jar dodging what could have been KOs, but yes.
1: Yeah. And then like when he magnetically squashed the ship, he does it by like wrapping a cable around a lever and tripping and like yanking on stuff. It's oh a my little God. silly, but it's it's fun. He saved the day. I mean he saved C3PO by pulling him up on the, the magnet. So
0: the level of Jar Jar clumsiness to effectiveness in this episode, I think, is like chef's kiss.
1: It's <laughs> It's always pretty high. He's he's surprisingly good. I mean, he's very good at staying alive, and he's very good at moving the situation forward. He introduces enough chaos in the system mm-hmm. that lets other people move along. Because, like, that is what let, let Padme escape. So Padme's escape, they over. she overhears that the guards outside are like, oh no, there's a Jedi nearby. And that's literally just Jar Jar putting on a disguise of Anakin's robes.
0: Yeah, she thinks it's Anakin for a minute, you know?
1: And then she's like, oh no, there's a Jedi in here rescuing me. Thank you, Master Jedi. And the droids are like, no, there's no Jedi in there. And then they go and they're like, wait, there's no Jedi and there's no prisoner. Where did she go? And then she, you know- Padme kicks her way out of there. so It's so cool.
0: Action Padme is strong in this episode.
1: I mean, you gotta love that she shows up for like a diplomatic mission. She's like, oh, I'm going to go see my adopted uncle on a diplomatic mission. So oh, what do so I need lovely. to pack? My combat boots, my lockpick bracelets, <laughs> like <laughs> my pocket blaster. Oh my yeah. God, you're right. That's her just her daily carry is combat boots.
0: That's fascinating. She is on a diplomatic mission, but she dresses for battle.
1: Also, like, a lot of her kills, her droid kills, are her, like, scampering up, like, chimneying up a wall and then, like, shooting down on them when they, they turn the corner. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where did she go? And she's like, I'm above you. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. So, like, she, she... Action Padme. Classic Action Padme. So great. And also Action Jar Jar. Like, he actually does commune with the swamp creatures and they all dance together at the end. And it's it's fun.
0: I must say... Jar Jar is me, and I am Jar Jar. Okay, let me tell you why. He gets swallowed by the Swamp Dragon.
1: Okay, that's the part that's you.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for recognizing the exact parallel of this story. (laughs) The Swamp Dragon saves 3PO from being exploded by what the battle droids, the explosive charges that they threw down. He gets burped out,
1: Mm -hmm. alive. Also you.
0: Also me. He swims up to his new BFF, Mm -hmm. smooches him, and says, you are my BFF now. Yeah. And the subtitles say, from the swamp dragon, affectionate grumbling. If that's not me... (laughs) If this entire scenario is not just, me. Just the
1: affectionate grumbling.
0: The affectionate grumbling, the smoochin of the swamp <laughs> dragon. I was like, I am seen and validated in this moment. <laughs> I am Jar Jar.
1: I, I like that episode. You know, the silliness of Jar Jar moving through the world does tend to be over the top. But playing playing Dungeons and Dragons, there's an element of like... I'm just going to go cause a ruckus and mm. let the rest of the party do stuff. And whoever's Jar Jar is playing that to a T, you know?
0: I will say, I wrote down that there's a DD anecdote that this episode reminded me of. Yeah. There's a story that is swirling around the internet. It's an old one, but I saw it again recently. It's a dad who's running D anD D for his two daughters, who are like seven and five. Okay. And in their first game, they're encircled by wolves, and Mm -hmm. he, the DM, is like, "Okay, you have to kill the wolves." And they're like, "No, we're not killing the wolves. We're going to feed them. They're hungry." Mm -hmm. They roll a nat twenty on animal handling, and they now have a snarling pack of wolf friends. There you go. For the rest of the campaign, and the dad was like, "Girls are going to save the world." Yeah. And that's how I feel about Jar Jar and Padme in this episode. Yeah. Like with their force of gentleness and firmness and equal measure, they are doing the work and they're doing it well.
1: Because Padme does forgive her uncle who so brutally betrayed her in that moment.
0: Who did it for his people out of love, but he betrayed one of his loves for another love. And mm-hmm. I imagine that was... Such a heart-wrenching decision for him.
1: And for her to forgive him.
0: Mm-hmm. But they do it beautifully.
1: So moving forward a bit, the relationship between Luminara and Ahsoka
0: is mm. a really interesting one as well. Tell me all about it. What did you notice?
1: Luminara has a very cool affect about her. She, mo- I like the way she moves through her Jedi tasks. And particularly when they're interrogating Newt Gunnery at the beginning uh luminara is sitting there and she's like we already know everything we all we need you to do is just tell us you know what's going on and otherwise there's a lot of like danger for you your friends have already betrayed you and ahsoka is like lightsaber to throw it tell us where they are you know tell us everything you know you filthy worm and luminara is like "Ah ahsoka She raises her voice Mm -hmm. for the
0: only time this episode is when she raises it at Ahsoka.
1: Terror is not the Jedi way.
0: Which is interesting because the Jedi way of interrogating is basically like x-raying your feelings. And you have no secrets, no privacy. Mm -hmm. It is, I would say, violating mentally Mm -hmm. and emotionally, even if it's not violating physically.
1: I. I would argue, it, it could be argued that it is more violating than the lightsaber to the throat. Mm-hmm. Because at least that way you know all the cards are on the table. Mm-hmm. And then Ahsoka pulls a Skywalker, and as soon as they, they turn back from their little sidebar, Newt Gunnery is like, I'll tell you everything. Like, you've got it right. You, you've got my number. I am, I am really afraid.
0: I cannot agree with her tactics, and yet I cannot argue with their efficiency.
1: Yeah. So then Luminara also has a wonderful moment later when she actually needs Ahsoka's help to go after Ventress. Mm -hmm. And she says, yes, this time we'll get her together because this is actually a foe who I haven't. Yeah, who outmatches me, who a foe like none I've faced before. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because there hasn't been a war in a long time. There hasn't been Sith. There hasn't been any red lightsabers in a long time in Luminara's life.
0: I will say we get some really choice Asajj insults this episode. Like directed yes. at her. Ahsoka calls her a bog witch, which mm-hmm. is just my new favorite insult. <laughs> Second only to when Luminara says when she's fighting Asajj, even with my vision clouded, I recognize the fighting style of Count Dooku, and your version is sloppy and amateurish.
1: Which is a really good dig,
0: sick burn. You can tell Asajj like gets her feelings hurt.
1: Absolutely, and that's like where you would attack a Sith.
0: Ooh,
1: right, right in the feelings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that is their strength. And you go after your enemy and their strength because that's in the um, in Sun Tzu, Art of War. You go after your enemy where they're strong.
0: Mm. You you
1: match their strength when you can overcome their strength. And in this case, you're saying they're good at this thing. They're a Sith. They're mm-hmm. good at the emotional part. I'm going to attack them and show them to be weak in their strong.
0: You know, Sam, you've talked frequently about how you think each Jedi has kind of a superpower or a couple superpowers, the things they're especially remarkable at. Yeah. I think luminara's might be her emotional intelligence yes i saw that in the interrogation scene and as you said just now that luminara was attacking Asaj where it would hurt her the most in her feelings mm-hmm. i wonder if luminara's strength isn't her extreme emotional awareness and intelligence
1: it could be she also has a strong tenacity because when she says that right after you know my vision is caught because she just got a face full of reactor steam. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a rough wound to take. She's she's sitting there holding her hand over her eye and her eyes like yellow for the rest of the fight. And like you don't see Jedi get hurt a lot.
0: It's not fun, especially for me to see. This is the first Star Wars scene, to my knowledge, that has only three characters on screen and all three of them are women.
1: That is probably true in the order we've been watching. Yeah. It's the
0: first time I can remember three women being the focal point of the scene and the only characters in the scene. And then to watch the one that our hearts go to injured twice, mm-hmm. her leg trapped and then her eye red and streaming and mm-hmm. and kind of like out of commission. It's really hard.
1: Although I still don't think it passes the Bechdel test because they're talking about Newt Gunnery the whole time. Oh
0: no! Yeah. Oh no! Who's a, according
1: to Ahsoka a despicable wealth worm? Oh my is God. Another choice Incredible. insult.
0: Incredible. Ahsoka's really peppery this
1: mm-hmm. arc, and like when she's when Ahsoka is fighting. Ahsoka has an interesting moment where it seems like she knows that she might be a better fighter than Luminara.
0: Oh, you think so?
1: I think so, because Ahsoka has tussled with us, with Ventress before, several times, and yeah, you know, she's she hasn't come out winning, but she's fought her before, and Ahsoka is at this point of the war. She's being she, her master is one of the best duelists in the galaxy.
0: That's true. <laughs> she went toe to toe with Grievous and survived.
1: Yes. And she's gone toe-to-toe with a lot of people and survived. She's been in the war. She's been in the thick of things more than a lot of other Jedi, including probably Luminara.
0: Interesting. I guess in my naivety, I want to assume that all of the Jedi masters are equal. Mm -hmm. Luminara hands the baton off to Kit Fisto as if he is her equal. He will do a great job. I would assume... Obi-Wan and Anakin handed this episode off to Luminara thinking that she is their equal and would do a great job. Mm -hmm. So it almost makes me uncomfortable to consider that Ahsoka might be a better duelist, a better fighter. Well,
1: circling back to that triangle of logistics, strategy, and tactics, Mm. that means that Ahsoka is good at tactics, small unit tactics, you know? That, and that is her jam. You put her with Battalion and she's like ready to lead with them and she knows what's up. But put her in charge of a war effort. Put her in charge of a Star Destroyer. Oh, geez. Like uh, going back to the previous arc when uh, the Lost Droid arc.
0: When Anakin puts her in the back.
1: Mm-hmm. And that plan does not go off quite without a hitch because of the Lost Droid and everything. Um, And it was anakin pulling the strings it felt like he was training ahsoka to take on an additional tactical mm. level but for small tactics for being a lightsaber duelist she's she's up there she knows she's good and she doesn't oversell herself she's like we should probably fight her together we'll have better odds that's but, true but together we'll do better than than just you by yourself
0: it was delightful for me to hear Ahsoka say she's too powerful for one, just one Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I did love to see Ahsoka lump herself in with Luminara. I thought there was some really cool rapport between them in this episode.
1: Yeah. And that is also a really good way to say that. Because she could have said she's too powerful for just you.
0: Mm-hmm. And too
1: powerful for just one Jedi means I can't take her alone. You can't take her alone. But together we might actually make something happen.
0: It is a diplomatic phrasing.
1: Very much so, which is something that Ahsoka is very good at because she has to deal with Anakin. Mm hmm. And then there's uh, Chad Argaius who like, shows up and you're like, wow, who's this D-bag? And it turns out he was a D-bag the whole time.
0: You know what I appreciate about Argaius, though, mm-hmm. is that at least we get a sense of his motives. So Nick yeah. Gunray, the motive we get is he's a jerk mm-hmm. and he you know, wants the trade Federation above all and he's yeah. a coward. The motive we get for Grievous is nothing except maybe he's a jerk.
1: Mm, With no friends. I mean, let's get there in a minute. Okay. Yeah.
0: At least for Argaius, he says, Dooku's paying me a fortune, Newt, to deliver your slimy carcass. Like, he's motivated by money. We get a motive.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, I'll be a legend for this. Mm -hmm. So Argaius, honest dude. An honest
0: villain. Yeah. Straight shooter.
1: A minute for the money. A minute for the gold. And, like, that's something that Newt Guttery says, like, as he's, like... Uh, as he's getting locked up, he's like, "Let me go, and I'll buy you a planet." You know, so yeah, he's got a lot of—he's a despicable wealth worm.
0: I love that so much. I'm going to call every capitalist that gets on my nerves a despicable wealth worm <laughs> from now on. Mark my words.
1: So, um, you talked about Grievous's motives. Now, first, Asajj says, uh, "You will die as all Jedi."
0: It's a creepy line. Mm -hmm. It reveals the depth of Asajj's conviction Mm -hmm. to the dark side.
1: Now skipping ahead to the next episode, that's what Grievous is saying too. He says, I'll kill all of you Jedi. He's ranting and raving the whole episode about Mm -hmm. killing all the Jedi.
0: Do you feel that his hatred of Jedi is as well grounded as Asajj's was in her moment of motive revealing?
1: Now, both of the characters, Asajj and Grievous, were introduced in the 2003 gennady
0: oh, really? Clone Wars 2D. Okay, I haven't seen that yet.
1: Yes, it's been decanonized. And it basically tells the story of the whole Clone Wars in about two hours maybe two and a half hours Mm -hmm. and i think it would be really fun uh because it's uncannied we'd have to do it for our patreon subscribers small plug but they're both introduced in there and in both cases the motives are explored maybe slightly more but even then i think it's more of a larger canon issue of like why asajj would hate the jedi so much and why Grievous would hate the Jedi so much, but even without the core motivations, the fact that Dooku is able to manipulate them right. into like, hey, I need someone for the job and I'm going to get someone who hates Jedi because that way I know where to point them.
0: I will say, since you brought that up, Dooku's manipulations are really on point for oh, both yeah. Cloak of Darkness and of Grievous. For Cloak of Darkness... He defends Asajj to Palpatine when he says, I'm sending my assassin. Mm -hmm. Palpatine is doubting that she's talented enough to pull it off. And he says she's a gifted assassin and basically she can't afford to fail. Yeah. And she knows this.
1: And that's always been their relationship is one of desperation.
0: He also calls her child, mm-hmm. which really, for some reason, rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know if he was trying to needle her or to talk down to her, but she's a full-grown woman assassin.
1: It could be a lot of things. I mean, one of them is that Dooku is an old, old man. Sure. And the other thing is that uh, Asajj is a night sister. So she comes from a strictly matriarchal culture. Hmm. And if she's not the mother, then she's a child. So he That is a be,
0: fascinating view of women's identity boiled down to a couple of discrete and granular
1: categories. It might be a term of, rather than getting called out with some vitriol that I can see across <laughs> the board here, it might be a term to take someone off guard.
0: It took me off guard for sure. Mm-hmm. And if that was the effect then it accomplished that. So there you go. Also, Dooku knows how to twist Grievous around into a tizzy.
1: hmm G- Grievous is smashing all of his controls there because he's like, why who shut off my droids? And Dooku's like, it was me. You need to prove that you're you need to prove your worth. And then at the end of the episode, when Kit Fisto escapes with R6 and that's it, all the all of the clones were killed. Nadar was killed. And Duke is like, wow, you know, I knew you would get the clones and the young Jedi, but killing a Jedi master. Big deal.
0: But room for improvement, is
1: what he says, mm -hmm. which just,
0: oh, it stings. It
1: does sting. And that is the button he uses to press on Grievous.
0: Repeatedly, Mm -hmm. repeatedly and effectively.
1: Back to like the malevolence arc. You know, they gave Grievous this massive ship Mm -hmm. and they killed entire battle fleets with it. Mm -hmm. And then Dooku's like, what did you do with my ship? Like, what have you done? You messed all this up. And Grievous is like.
0: So the reason that I wanted to know Grievous's motive, because I wrote down, why is he the way that he is and why does he do what he does? The reason I wanted an answer to that is because Dooku is so awful to him in this episode. And I was like, if Dooku was my friend, no, he isn't, right? I'm like, there must be something that Grievous desperately wants in order to put up with the amount of BS that he puts up with this episode. His home is infiltrated. His two friends are murdered.
1: Mm -hmm. He... Oh, when when Gore dies, you see him like look on the he's like, let's see what Gore is yeah. Gore's done, and he goes Gore,
0: Gore. Oh my God, Sam! When I tell you, I had a moment
1: of connecting with Grievous.
0: I did.
1: Now, something else to, my shame. to, to the uh, the funny doctor, I'm gonna call him Dr. Hawkeye because you remind he has the mannerisms of Alan Alda and Mash. He's, okay, he's okay the doctor says, Sometimes I don't know why you submitted to the changes.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. And Grievous
1: says, I submit to no one. These are improvements.
0: Yes.
1: And so as they're going through Grievous's life, before Grievous shows up, you see a Kalish warrior. You know, wearing his produce and his mask. And right. then you see him with a cybernetic arm, and then you see him with two cybernetic arms and a cybernetic leg. Oh. And so he has been improving this whole time. Oh. Which is an interesting thing because, like, what if it's Dooku or Palpatine or someone manipulating a brilliant general who has body dysmorphia issues into being like a robot general? Oh. Yeah. Oh,
0: this is horrible.
1: Because remember, in the Lost Droid arc, when Grievous meets R2, I think for the first we're time- We're all droids we're here. We're all droids here, ha, 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 as he's, like, coughing. And then, right after this, submitted to changes, impro- not submission improvements-
0: It's a really painful scene. It's it hard to watch. It is, because
1: the doctor says, this is going to hurt.
0: He, I think he said, there will be some discomfort. And then
1: he tears off Grievous's mask, and you hear Grievous, like, screaming, oh, and then Oh, it's awful.
0: Scenes.
1: And so we learn a little bit about Grievous's body, which is if you chop him off at the legs... then He's fine. He's, he'll skitter.
0: Ugh, the stuff of my nightmares is Grievous spidering along the wall. Yeah, he's
1: just like brachiating along the ceiling like a chimpanzee the entire time. Oh my god. And yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty spooky.
0: So... The reason that I I just, I wanted more because we get these tantalizing glimpses into Grievous the whole episode mm-hmm. and there's just not quite enough in it for it to click. I want to know why Grievous submits to this. I want to know why he does the things that he does and why he puts up with Dooku. And we just didn't quite get there and I'm just really intrigued.
1: Yeah, because it feels like, you know why... Asaj is doing it a little bit because she is also compelled by the push of failure and she's also has a lust for power. Yeah, she wants to be a Sith, she wants to be Dooku's Sith number two. Like, Dooku is, and Palpatine's then she wants to two. stand
0: where Dooku stands. Exactly. It's not enough for her to sit at the feet of the Sith Lord, she wants to be the Sith Lord. Yes, that's plenty for me, mm-hmm.
1: but Grievous, he doesn't have force powers. She doesn't want force powers. He has significant power. In fact, one of the things he was complaining about to Dooku in this episode, because Dooku's like, hey, uh, quarterly reports are in your Jedi kill counts are down. And, oh, my God. And, and Grievous is like, you give me these crap battle droids. Yeah. Give me good battle droids. He's
0: right. And he should say it. Mm-hmm. Dooku just wants to watch him fail and grind his nose in it every time.
1: And I think that he knows grievous's buttons. And he's just got Grievous' number.
0: Yeah, he can play him like a fiddle. Yeah. It's hard to watch.
1: It's, uh, it's interesting. Now, then there's the actual A-plot of the third episode, which is... Mm.
0: So do you remember how hard we were on Anakin last episode? Maybe we were a little too hard on him because Nadar does the exact same thing. And
1: it's like zero to 60 real fast. And Kit Fisto is like, yo, cool it. Like, at, at, at the very beginning of the episode, they're about those, to go through the door. Those
0: who have power should restrain themselves from using it.
1: Yes. Yes. They're about to go through the door, and the clone captain is like, I got a door opener right here, as he's got a thermal detonator. Nadar, Nadar wipes like,
0: out his lightsaber. He's like, me too.
1: And and Kit Fist is like, can you guys cool it for one second while I find the secret latch? And there it is. Patience, children. Yeah. He's like, chill. And then Nadar has a lot of, like really strong negative energy. He's like at one point they're being chased around to these super creepy corridors, mm-hmm. and they meet at over two dead clones. And Nadar says, "I would have gotten him if the clones hadn't gotten in the way." And you oh God, see yeah. Kit Fisto being like, "Oh like
0: there are vibe. clones on the floor."
1: Yeah, dead, dead from, from grievous's lightsabers.
0: There, yeah, Kit Fisto does give him a real side eye. And what I realized is that Nadar is a brand new Jedi Master.
1: Jedi he, Knight, not Madister, yet. Yeah.
0: So Nadar is a brand new Jedi Knight. Yeah. He's like, roughly in the same place that Anakin is about to be. Or plus was. or minus
1: like two years, yeah.
0: He is just the kind of Jedi Knight that this war has produced. He's a warrior and not a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And that divide is so stark between Kit Fisto and Nadar.
1: And that's... At the end, uh, as the door is about to close on them, uh, he says, The rules have changed. Mm -hmm. And he goes to fight because Kit Fist was like, You can't face him. You don't have the strength. Yes. And Nadar says, You know, strength goes to those who take it. And that's not the Jedi way. And he doesn't die like a Jedi. You know, he dies like a powerful lightsaber wielder, but he doesn't die like a Jedi.
0: I don't believe that he was one with the Force in that moment, you know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's the, um, you know, the way Palpatine plays Dooku like a fiddle and Dooku plays Grievous like a fiddle.
0: Grievous played Nadar like a fiddle.
1: Yeah, but that's Palpatine saying, yeah. I need to be putting pressure on these Jedi. To be at war, at turmoil, and amongst Mm -hmm. themselves. There's something else I want to circle back to. Okay. Take us out a little bit. And this is the uh, interrogation scene with Ahsoka and the moon. Oh, okay. Now, reading the first High Republic book, there's a lot of uh, really nice characterization of what they call the mind touch, which is going in and either convincing someone to do something or reading their surface thoughts, you know, the mind trickery, these aren't mm. the droids you're looking for and how a handful of the Jedi of that era found it distasteful to do because it, you know, you're oppressive. You're going in and you're, you're pushing the force in one or the other. Now, Luminara yes. was saying, you will tell us everything, you know, and she was doing Mind trickery.
0: It's the same thing when Qui-Gon force-pushed the dice in The Phantom Menace to the result that he wanted when he told the Gungan king, your gods have willed it to be so.
1: We'd, we'd love some transportation. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that that is an ethical dilemma.
1: Yeah. And so presumably a Jedi with a little bit of foresight, you know, as, as one of their force powers, able to see the future a little bit, is able to be like, okay, well, this isn't going to change things in a big way. Like asking Boss NAS to give you a, a ride. Like that's not a big deal. You know, it's not like that's going to make a change.
0: But flipping the dice so that the chosen one is released from slavery into your own care.
1: I heard somewhere that the dice was loaded already. And oh I feel God. like, I feel like that's why Wada was so exceptionally angry is because the dice was probably loaded.
0: But okay. If you use the force or if you load the dice yeah six one way half dozen the other (laughs) but
1: but um okay so that that circles back to the intellectual honesty of you know threatening someone with destroying their life versus threatening someone with a knife to their throat like what is the difference and one of them is more earnest and that also is what Ahsoka gets away with because res- the Skywalker way as results gets you moving forward. So.
0: That's why I'm so intrigued that at the end of Cloak of Darkness, Luminar tells Ahsoka that I owe you my life mm-hmm. and Master Skywalker should be proud of his Padawan. Mm-hmm. I just can't help but feel that Ahsoka did not do a good job on the most important aspects of this episode. And I just don't understand the Clone Wars obsession with apologizing for Anakin's way of being. (laughs) I know that's kind of spicy, and I'm sorry, but the Uh, amount of episode endings that we get nullifying all the things that Anakin does that are against the Jedi code, including but not limited to training his Padawan the same way. Yeah. Where is this coming from?
1: It's a, uh, it's like a... 4951 problem all mm. these times and that's like um president obama talked about that like uh in various foreign policy things mm. you know 6 months later he's like okay i made a bad call but it was a 4951 call and it's like i don't it's it's a really close call and you go one way you go the other it changes the outcome
0: fascinating now, that the clone wars ran for the duration of the obama presidency as well that. yeah that's yeah, true fascinating
1: but um The bit about how Obi-Wan keeps forgiving Anakin because he's like, 49% of this I have to admonish you for and like be ready to kick you out of the... And then the
0: 51% is that you got the results.
1: Yeah, and that you were outnumbered 10 to 1 and won the battle when you were ambushed. Like, holy crap. And it's the same thing with Luminara here. She's like, I would have died. And so the fact that Mm -hmm. you... Did like one moment that actually was sitting there getting results and had to be like rah rah rah. And then you saved my life. That speaks to Ahsoka in a big way. And it means that maybe her way is moving forward. So maybe when the dar says the rules have changed, he's saying out loud while well, Luminara is being converted to by Ahsoka.
0: Mm. Oh, interesting. There's one throwaway thing that I wanted to get to before we finish up. Mm -hmm. Padme has a fascinating throwaway line in Bombad Jedi that I have to talk about. She says this fascinating thing, to live in fear is no life at all. Mm -hmm. It's a total throwaway line. I think she's getting marched away by the battle droids. No, she's talking to Ono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's told her that the decision that he's come to is that he has to give her up to save his people. Mm-hmm. And she says to live in fear is no life at all. Doesn't this just sum up what we say about Anakin all the time? Does Anakin not live his entire life in this constant state of fear and agony and reactiveness?
1: You know, I think fear might be... The core element of this story. Yes, there's that moment of fear—the fear of loss—that led to the betrayal.
0: Fear of failure. Fear
1: of fear failure. Fear of
0: your people starving. Mm-hmm.
1: Then moving forward, you have Do- uh, Dooku driving Asajj by fear, and you have fear being the motivator for moving Newt Gunray. And Nuke Gunray. And Grievous
0: reacting to these infiltrators in his actual home and his quarterly reports being bad.
1: And Nadar fighting out of fear of looking bad in front of his master.
0: Wow. I think you just summed it up.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Fear
0: as a catalyzing agent.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's... uh... In my personal life, that's one of my core character defects that I struggle to work through. And I think I'm sure a lot of people do. I think we
0: are all motivated by fear. I think it's so compelling because it is so universal. Mm -hmm. We can all think about the time when the Dooku in our life has lit a fire under our butt because we don't want to fail and we are afraid of being cast out or being named as lesser.
1: And that's the difference between Dooku as a Jedi Knight as recently as... 10 years ago and the Dooku of these events is that Dooku is a villain because he uses your fear to get you to do what he wants. Yes. Because he's propagating this war in order to maneuver for power against his master. Yes. Who's playing both sides. Yes. He always comes out on top.
0: Yes. Delightful, isn't it?
1: (sighs) Yeah. Kind of a downer.
0: Guess what? What? I think it's time for Baywatch. All right.
1: It's time Lay for
0: Baywatch. Do you want to know who my Bay is? Yeah, I do. It's Jar Jar. Shut,
1: Shut up. It's really? Jar
0: Jar. It's Jar Jar Banks, my friends. I'm.
1: You're on Team Jar Jar.
0: I'm 110% confident in this decision because. I gave you all my reasons already, and they were compelling. Jar Jar does the 4951 thing so effectively, Mm -hmm. and he always comes out on top. He always does it with a smile on his face. He hurts no one. Yeah, he never
1: picks up a blaster.
0: He never picks up a blaster. He's a complete pacifist. And my spicy take of Bombad Jedi... Is that Jar Jar would be a great Jedi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're joining the cult of Darth Jar Jar. He's...
0: I'm not even joining the cult of Darth Jar Jar. You're, you're... I'm a Jar Jar purist. I love him the way that he is. You're making
1: a new cult. The cult of Jedi Master Jar Jar.
0: <laughs> I am the first and possibly only <laughs> acolyte of this cult. <laughs> and I am proud and I'm valid. And I think Jar Jar would be a pretty good Jedi.
1: Yeah.
0: And he is kind to the Swamp Dragon.
1: He is. And, you know, that's a little bit of kindness goes a long way. And, you know, C-3PO is shooting him down. C-3PO is heartless in this episode. Literally, but also Literally and figuratively.
0: Yeah. Final note for Jar Jar being Bay. He he has a fart joke in this episode as well, and now I'm just you know keeping a mental tally of all the fart jokes in Star Wars. Yeah, we had
1: one last uh, episode. We
0: did indeed, and another one. And yeah. this brings me great joy. <laughs> so thank you, Jar Jar, for brightening my week.
1: All um, right, all right, I like it.
0: Who's your Bay?
1: That's a tough call. I know. That's a really tough call. I'm gonna go with Kit Fisto. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm sure he was in your running too. It
0: was a very difficult choice. Yeah k is amazing.
1: amazing. Uh, he shows up. He's got a affable affect to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, everything's going to be fine. His R6 unit's like, but what about this? What about that? He's like, don't worry so much. Like, everything will be fine. But do keep an eye out. I'm really excited to see my Padawan. And then his Padawan is now his peer, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And he's like,
1: we should have, like...
0: He's like, we should talk. Yeah,
1: he's like, I, I dislike where we are, but he he takes all the right steps throughout the, the whole situation. And then in the final fight with Grievous... So cool. So Grievous does his four lightsaber trick and Gephisto chops off one of his hands, takes the lightsaber, and then he turns it from a four-on-one lightsaber into a yes! three-on-two lightsaber. Oh
0: my God, I'm so glad he brought this up.
1: And it's, it's a good fight and... You know, Kit Fisto has the better of him until uh,
0: the Magna Droid shows up. Yeah, until the
1: Magna Droid shows up, and then so. it's
0: four against one.
1: And then Kit Fisto is like, "Well, fortunately, I my trusty Astromech Droid is showing up." So Who's, great! Oh, R six also gets a kill because oh my gosh. earlier on, R six is like, "Hey, Kit Fisto, I'm surrounded by Magna Droids," and, and Kit Fisto's like, "All right, bounce, like, call for help, and and we'll catch you later." And one of the Magna Droids latches on. R6 spins around and And yeets yeets a droid into into a cliff. cliff.
0: We need to give honorary base status to R6, I would say.
1: I mean, getting a Magna droid killed, like a lot of Jedi don't even get that. And that's uh, one for R2, one for R6. Man,
0: commendations for R6 as well. Padme needs to come back and give him a medal.
1: So although the third episode was pretty Kit Fisto-centric, it's almost more of a Grievous-centric episode. I
0: know. I feel a little cheated. Kit Fisto was a strong presence, but he wasn't the focal point of the episode in a character development way like Grievous was. Mm -hmm. But he is so fun to watch on screen. Why does Kit Fisto not have his own TV series?
1: I think it's because that's a lot of makeup.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What species is he?
1: Oh, he's a uh Nautilan.
0: A Nautilan. And
1: he can uh breathe underwater. And there's a very funny meme of like the Jedi Council is like, hey, we have a situation on a water planet and Master Fisto, and then he's just like robes off, Speedo on, what? Lightsaber. Because he just he's just like he breathes underwater. So anytime there's a water planet problem, he's, he's Aquaman. Like, I'll be there. Yeah, he's he is Jedi Aquaman.
0: I cannot handle this. This is so great.
1: So, I mean, both of us chose people who can breathe underwater, and that goes to show that that is a really uh, compelling reason. So, if you want to end up on Baywatch, try to breathe underwater. Do your best. Yeah. <laughs> Kuhn might be able to breathe
0: underwater. I bet Nadar could breathe underwater too, but yes. unfortunately for him,
1: he wasn't going to make the Baywatch. He's no. he's not nearly he's he does all the Anakin things without being Anakin.
0: Ah. <sighs> Well, and you know where that gets you in Lucasfilm?
1: Uh you lose some limbs. At least. At least. That about wraps us up for this one. As always, you can find us on social media, at Growing Up Skywalker. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on your podcast app, or send it to a friend, like your the person you mentored who is grown up and now your peer, but still might need a little bit of help.
0: Yeah, send it to the person that you know is almost there but not quite.
1: Or. The Jar Jar in your life who just introduces, you know, happy chaos.
0: Gentleness, kindness, and love for all Swamp Dragons. What more could you want? And
1: just massive property damage. So great. If you like access to fun goodies, including having your name read on the show, you can find us on Patreon. And also, we are thinking about doing a season one retrospective. So please send us any questions, whatever.
0: Or thoughts. If we missed your bay, tell us. Mm -hmm. If If we missed your favorite plot point, tell us.
1: We want to hear from all the King Katunko heads out there.
0: Yes, please. So
1: send those and any other listener holocrons to growingupskywalker at gmail.com. We read every single one.
0: And next week, we are talking about not the Newt Gunray captured arc, but the Count Dooku captured arc.
1: Yeah, so that Episodes is... Episodes
0: 111 through
1: 113. Yep, and we get to meet universe-spanning fan favorite Hondo Onaka, and I'm very excited for him. He is he is terrible and great at the same time.
0: We hope you'll listen in. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye now. Bye.